Good morning, church. As usual, it's a real privilege to be here and share the word of the Lord. It's a real joy that we're going to get to sit and listen to his word, really drink it in. And we're always changed when we do that. Um, so it's a real privilege to be here this morning. And Quincy, in his braveness, uh, a bit like Nathan, gave me sort of a free reign, a topic. So there was no topic. So I love that because you have to come to God and say, what would you like me to share, Lord? And um, I felt really led. So we have been doing a course called Freedom in Christ, um, which is a 10-week course. And a number of people in the church have been doing it. And I wanted to do it. I felt led to do a session within that. Is there something going? Is that really irritating? Is it my hair? Is it my? Okay. Sorry, guys. My hair. Is that better? Hopefully, we're good. Um, love technology. Um, so, within the course, um, we look at freedom. And I just want to start from, although I feel like Kevin's going to do something first. Take it down a little bit. Is that better? It's your breath that's getting it. It's my breath. Sorry, guys. I'm breathing. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks. Yeah, it will, yeah. So, otherwise, it could turn out very different if I don't breathe. So if you'll excuse me, I'll breathe. Um, we're going to start with a great verse, okay? Uh, a joyful verse, an exciting verse. We're going to look at something really exciting. It's good news this morning. There may be some stuff that's a bit hard-hitting this morning. But boy, is it good news, because God loves us. And I just really felt the Prince of Peace is here. We sung about the Prince of Peace. And I just feel like he just wants you to know he's, he's here. Let him come in, that Prince of Peace, into your hearts and minister to you. So Galatians 5, uh, verse 1. We're not going to dwell on this long, but it's almost the top liner. It is for freedom that we have been set free. Stand firm then and do not be burdened by the yoke of slavery. What a great verse. We have been set free. It is for freedom that we have been set free. <laughs> we'll have some more yays, whoops. Um, and I don't like, I don't know about you, do we always feel like we walk around in that freedom? Are we always weeping and whatever every day? Or sometimes do we feel like, we're more like burdened by the yoke of slavery. Things aren't going well. I'm not walking in that truth. I feel the heaviness. Why, why is that? Because it says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, that we've been set free. So within the course, we look at that area of freedom, and we look at various ways that can get in the way of us walking in that freedom. And there can be many. It could be unbelief. We don't actually believe this word. We may have been around the church for a long time. We may be able to quote the word, but actually, do we actually believe it's truth? And therefore, we, if we don't, we're not necessarily walking in it. There may be habitual sin, stuff that we struggle with, that just keeps getting in the way and gets in the way of our relationship with God. We may be looking to the world too much and not drawing close to God, not renewing our mind. But actually, within the course... They share that one of the biggest things that gets in the way of our freedom is unforgiveness. Our will, unwillingness to forgive others. And it's very beautiful within the course to see God do work in people when it comes to the area of forgiveness. It can be quite an emotional thing to go through. But actually the freedom when we forgive from the heart is amazing. And that is what we're going to do today once I get some water. Um, 
we're going to look at forgiving from the heart. I don't know whether any of those who are observant amongst us will have noticed something that we don't normally have in our church. In our church tradition and within our worship, we don't necessarily that much, I'll step this way, I can see it better, have the cross, that symbol, the physical representation of what Jesus did on the cross. And today, I might even step back a bit so you can see, I'd love us to be mindful of the cross. We're going to I'm going to refer to the cross a lot. And especially if today's a bit hard, when we actually look at unforgiveness, ways that we have been wronged by people, it can bring up all kinds of stuff. And I just want to encourage you, you don't have to look at me. Look, look at the cross. Be reminded of what Jesus did on the cross for us, that he gave his body, he shed his blood, that we may go free that we may live in that freedom, that our debt has been paid. He has removed our sin as far as the east is the west. That is good news this morning. That is the freedom. But equally, he's a real God, and we need to come and meet him with the reality of life. Um, so just bear it in mind and keep looking at the cross. We also spoke, sang a song, which really hit me and said, it's the cross has spoken. I am forgiven. So if you're a Christian today, we're looking mainly in terms of forgiving other people, but we have to look at the fact we can only do it from the point of we have been forgiven. Jesus died that we would be forgiven. So I'm just going to start in prayer. Heavenly Father, wonderful Savior, Savior and friend, Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you bore our sin, that you paid the price for our sin. You paid our debt that we may go free. We come to you afresh at the foot of your cross. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and fill us afresh. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and search us. Do the work you want to do within our hearts that we would be a forgiving people. Pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, as I shared, in order to forgive others, we must first consider the extent of our sin, our debt. And we're going to look at a few um, Bible passages this morning. So if you have your Bible with you, whether on phone or the old-fashioned one, excuse mine without any... Uh, it's been read a lot. Um, we're going to look at Luke 7... 36 to 50. And this is the story of Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. So I'm going to read from uh, verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Then a woman, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, 
she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who has the bigger debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, which was the custom at the time. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them away with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, but she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among them, who is this who even forgives sins? What a picture. A man who probably was quite proud, we can, I'm, I'm kind of guessing, run, roll with me, in having Jesus come to his house. to put on a display. Jesus is there reclining. And then suddenly there's, there's a woman that he knows very well from the area, the sinful woman. I thought it's very interesting that there's a, a woman who's the sinful woman because no one else is full of sin. But actually how the Pharisee looks upon her and declares her sin and is questioning Who does he think he is even to let her touch him? But what a woman. She was aware of the state of her heart. She was aware of her need of forgiveness. She'd heard about Jesus, and she was there pouring her heart out in worship, thanking him, serving him, being gracious to him. What an image of that woman that actually everyone else was like, that's the sinful woman as if no one else had sin in them. And it shows from here, and Jesus says, those who've been forgiven much, love much. Those who've been forgiven, love little. How much have we been forgiven? Let's just think about that for a moment. Is it little or much? I think in all honesty, we know that we have been forgiven much. But we don't always realize it. Maybe quite often we're like the Pharisee who likes to point out other people's sin and not be aware of our own sin. But if we realize it, we will find that our capacity for loving and forgiving others will increase. If we're aware clearly at the cross what our sin and what it took Jesus on the cross, we will love much, we will forgive much. Again, it comes to the cross and what Jesus did in our lives. The suffering of Christ that brought us freedom. We're also just going to look at another passage. So if you'll come with me to Matthew 18. We're going to look at the parable of the unmerciful servant. 
which is a story you may or may not be familiar with. Um, it's Matthew 18, 21 to 35. And I'm going to talk about these in different passages, break it up a bit for us. Now it starts on verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. I often think this is a very... uh, cheeky question of Peter to ask Jesus. It's almost like, how can I get around things? I almost feel like we can be like that at times. Lord, what are the rules and what can I get around and what do I need to do? Because I have to forgive people a lot. They annoy me. How many times do I have to forgive them? Just seven? Seven times sounds fair, doesn't it? And Jesus is like, 77 times. And this isn't a mathematical answer. This isn't a mathematical equation. You count how many times you forgive some, like a bit of a tally on the wall, and then be like, 78th, right, free for all. I can sort them out. I can tell them everything. I can do whatever. That is not what what Jesus is saying here. He knows that we need to continue to forgive for our own sake, for our freedom. He knows that we're in this messy world, and we will come across people who will offend us and hurt us. And we need to continually forgive, not just up to 77 times. God does not want his children to languish in bitterness and be bound to the past. Because that's what unforgiveness does. Now the story continues. Jesus kind of illustrates that. He probably understands that Peter hasn't quite got it. So he's just going to give him a bit of a story, a parable Uh, to make it a bit clearer. So we're going to look at now verse 23 to 27. And Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will repay everything, pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. He cancelled the debt. Our debt has been cancelled on the cross, and this master took pity. I'm sure it would have taken years. The servant begged. It would have taken years to repay that debt. We might well feel that if we're in debt. But equally, we have a different debt. And Jesus paid for it all. Jesus on the cross paid for our sin. We, like the servant and the sinful woman, have been forgiven much. So the master has let the man free, let the servant free. I wonder what happens next. So if we go to verse 29, no, 28 even. But when that servant went out, this is the servant whose debt has been paid and is free, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii. He grabbed him and he choked him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. 
his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I, and I will pay you back. Does this sound familiar? He's saying exactly the same thing that this servant just said to his master. But he refused. Instead, he went and had the man thrown into prison and he, until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. You cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. What a stark story. If we think as the servant, the servant came to the cross. We are that servant. We have been paid. Our sins have been paid for. Our debt has been paid. And then quite often we just go meet someone else who's offended us hold it against them, want to get it back. But we have been forgiven much. And Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat you unless, unless you forgive your brother from the heart. We must forgive from the heart. And Jesus warns here, that servant went into jail and was tortured. Jesus warns us that if we don't forgive others from our heart, in a sense, we will suffer some kind of spiritual torment. In other words, we're opening a door to bring the enemy's influence or spiritual attack in our lives. I don't know if you can relate when you've struggled to forgive someone, when you've held stuff and you feel like it's your right because of what they did. It's us that almost is tormented by that and reliving it. And we weren't made to be like that. We're made to, like the master did at first, let the servant go to forgive others who have sinned against us. And interesting, that passage talks about forgiving from the heart. And I think there's sometimes, it, being a Christian, if you've been a Christian for a while, it's like, oh yeah, forgiveness. We can kind of do lip service to it. But actually, there's a real difference when we forgive from our heart. This sometimes can be the, the hardest area and the area that can be harder to hear today because in order to forgive from the heart, we have to be emotionally honest with God and face the pain and the hurt that we feel. I'm sure you're aware, I can think of times where I've just shoved things so deep because I've been so hurt. I don't want to look at that pain again. I'm led by that pain. It's there, it hasn't gone away but I don't want to look at it. So sometimes almost forgiving others is one of the bravest things we can do if we forgive from the heart because we can become emotionally vulnerable before God and we're completely safe when we do that. We're not pretending that this is easy, but it can be very painful. Now, the important thing is that we can't move on from the past until we choose to forgive. So if it's been sat down there and we're trying to avoid it, it's still there and it's still shaping us. Jesus wants us to walk free from the past into that freedom that he talks about. Now, 
One of the key points we need to understand when it comes to forgiveness is that the real issue is not so much between us and that other person. It's between us and God. Because he is the one who commands us to forgive. And there are many scriptures and quite hard-hitting scriptures. I found it really challenging uh, to prepare this and thought, oh, should I use that one? And guys, I just challenge you and invite you to explore what the scriptures say about forgiveness. Because I can just in this time touch on part of it. But actually, let's explore forgiveness. What it is, what it isn't. What does Jesus say? But there's so many ways that he commands again and again, forgive your brothers, forgive from the heart. So in a sense, if it's between us and God, we don't even have to go to the other person in order to forgive them. In fact, the forgiveness process doesn't involve them at all. It doesn't change them. It is between us and God alone, and it changes us. Forgiveness of others changes us. Now, yes, Jesus did say that if we go to church and remember that somebody has something against us, we should leave our offering and go and be reconciled with that person. If we've offended someone else, we go to that person, we ask for forgiveness and put things right as far as we are able. But if someone has offended us, we don't go to them, we go to God first and foremost. We need to forgive others first and foremost, before God, because it's an issue before, in between us and God. Unforgiveness breaks that relationship. It can cause that torment for us, but it also has an impact on our relationship with God. Interestingly, this morning I was um, thinking about different issues that I have had and who I've had to forgive and it was really interesting this morning because I just felt God sort of say share the one about your dad and I thought that was a bit interesting some of you may know and some of you may not know that um, my dad died when I was four so when I was four and Mary was 18 months um, he died of a heart attack and that had different consequences in our upbringing. God was faithful. He did amazing things. But equally, there was loss. There was grief within that. And that was something that I wrestled with in life at different times. But also how to relate to God as my father. And when I was looking, um, I think it was in the first Freedom in Christ course that I did. And when it came to forgiveness, I felt God say, you need to forgive your father for leaving you. And one, I was like... I mean, I don't think he wanted to leave. Like, he had a heart attack. Something happened. He went very suddenly. He didn't walk out the door. Um, and actually, how do I forgive him? Like, he's not here. If anything, I struggled to know who my father was and have that relationship because I was so young. And in God's mercy, and this is where at different times we may know who we need to forgive. It can be very clear. It's like, you know that person. They did this. You're holding it against them. Deal with it. But equally, there can be stuff that's so unconscious within us, so deep and so unknown by us, but that God comes and he speaks to us about it because he wants us to walk in freedom. And it's like God was saying, because you haven't forgiven your dad and he left, that's how you're seeing me. So it was almost like a come and forgive your dad for leaving. And it wasn't necessarily a sense to my dad. I don't know where my dad is. 
But actually, it was about me and my own healing and also relating to God better. That unforgiveness, for much of it very unconsciously, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize what impact it had. And it was almost a gift of God to say, forgive your dad. So it might be that there are things, and that's why we say, Lord, search our hearts. See what gets in the way of our freedom. Come and speak to us that we would not be walking by the yoke of slavery, but we'd walk in that freedom. Um, so actually, a bit like my dad, we can come to the cross to forgive others that we might not even see again. And there might be some people that have hurt us that it's right that we don't even see them again. That, that's wisdom. So actually, it is ultimately before God that we need to come and forgive people. He may then speak to us on how, what to do with that relationship if it's needed, but let's come to God at the cross first. Now, we also forgive to stop the pain. And often we can hold on to things and we can say, but you don't know how much they hurt me. And in a sense, if we don't forgive them, they're still hurting us. Almost if we go around and over it, that pain is, is still there. Interestingly, in um, the Freedom in Christ uh, course, they have uh, a fishing illustration. Um, I can't say I'm, a, I think I've been fishing once, so bear with. But I think sometimes it's really good to have that visual, a bit like we've got the physical cross here to look at. Um, sometimes just that visual kind of story can make things a bit real to us. Um, so bear with me as I tell this story correctly. Now, if you, this is us imagining this, if we went fishing and someone accidentally hooked your cheek when they cast the line, that's the bit I'm not quite sure. I believe there's a rod and they cast in the line, there's a hook, it accidentally gets caught in your cheek. So you have a hook in your cheek, which I could imagine is very painful. The question is, what would you do to get rid of the pain? Would you leave the hook? in your cheek, go around shouting, look what they did to me. This hook is in my cheek, it really hurts. I will not forgive them. That night, you go to sleep, still with the hook in your cheek. You get up the next morning and guess what? It's worse. You go out and tell other people the same story with the hook in your cheek. And that is what happens if we don't forgive. Almost we're walking around with that hook. We almost want to tell other people. We want to get other people on side, look what they've done. But that hook is still physically in their cheek. I don't think we would do that. I think the first thing we would do is get it out and then deal with the pain. So there's an invitation fresh when we forgive from the heart to take that hook out, to, to take the pain and bring it to Jesus at the cross. I think sometimes we also say the saying, we're letting them off the hook. You know that saying? We don't want to let them off the hook, but actually not realizing it's us that are hooked. And it's like in forgiveness, it's like release yourself from the hook, release yourself from the pain and from the hurt. And a major reason that we don't forgive sometimes is that we don't understand what forgiveness is and what it isn't. I think sometimes there's been some unhelpful things that 
can make it a bit hard to understand what forgiveness is. Whenever you've heard people talk about to forgive is to forget. Anyone heard that kind of like if you forgive, you'll forget. And I don't know about you, but I can't, you can't really get rid of hurt by simply trying to forget it. I mean, I'm just going to try and sit here and forget that horrible pain and that whole situation. I'm going to forget that I've got a hook in my cheek. You, you can't actually do that. Um, but we may equally look at God and say, doesn't God forget our sins? As it says in Jeremiah 31, 34, I will remember their sins no more. But actually, if we think about it, this is God who is all-knowing, all-seeing. He's been there from the beginning. He'll be there to the end. Can he actually forget? He can't forget. What he's actually saying there is, I won't take the past and use it against you. I will put it from me as far as the east is from the west. And I'm sure we might have been in that situation. Maybe it was with lovely siblings or husbands and wives or people that we know well. I'm not saying that she's done this. But um, if someone says, I forgive you, but on the 10th of January 2013, you did dot, 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 dot. I mean, what does that really show you? Have they forgiven? They haven't forgiven Again, what God is saying, they're using the past. They haven't forgotten it. But actually, I'm sure we know that when there's areas of pain, it's very hard to forget. But forgiveness is something else. But they are bringing it back. I'm going to bring up what you did on the 10th of January. Um, she didn't really say that. But I, like, I can pick on her. Um, so part of forgiving is about deciding not to bring the past and using it against someone ever again. It might be that we need, however, to actively forgive whenever we remember. Today is not about a, a one-off thing. Forgiveness isn't that, that simple. It's something we need to continually work at. It might be, actually, we remember it again, and we need to come before God again and say, I forgive them. I forgive them. That's 77 plus, plus, plus time. Now, forgiveness is not tolerating sin. I think there's a real danger that people can feel like, well, they say at church, I just need to forgive. Does that mean I just go back to that situation that's not healthy, that's dangerous? Do I keep just putting up with someone else's sin? I have two questions, and I'd love some participation from you all. Uh, they're very simple. Does God forgive sins? Yes, thank you. Does he tolerate sin? No. Okay, good answers. So we can see... Again, if we come back to the cross, that God does not tolerate sin. He didn't let our sin go. He put our sin on Jesus. Jesus paid that price because there needed to be paid by death. And Jesus took that. So our sin was dealt with, but it's not tolerated. But like the woman who's caught in adultery, he speaks so beautifully and says, neither do I condemn you, but now leave your life of sin. So it's not shoving it under the carpet. It's actually coming and dealing with it. And we can come and do that at the cross. Now, it's important to say there may be situations where there's a cycle of sin that is really impacting us. It might be actually a home situation, a 
domestic violence situation, it may be people at work, it may be family members. By forgiving, and it's still important to come to God and forgive that person, he's not saying stay there. Actually, there are times when we need to set those boundaries. We need to say this is not acceptable. We might well have to remove ourselves from situations. We might well have to get the authorities involved as the police. So it's not saying that people sinning, over, sinning against you continually is right. It's not tolerated. It's also not seeking revenge. I know that often when we are wronged, we want justice. We, we might want revenge within that. We want them to pay. They have hurt, hurt us. They need to feel the same thing. And somehow, again, like I said, we sometimes feel it's like sweeping it under the carpet, saying it doesn't matter. But it did matter very much. And when I was uh, preparing today, I feel like there's some people here or one person who just needs to know that it did matter very much. In asking you to forgive that person, God is not saying it didn't matter or sweep it under the carpet. He says to you, it mattered. It matters to him. Come, there's that fresh invitation at the cross to come with the pain and the emotions of it. And I do believe that as we forgive, that's when he can come in and bring the healing to those emotions. But he wants you to know today it mattered, and it mattered to him. It says in Romans 12, 19, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. When we forgive, we're leaving the person in God's hands. Here it says, but leave room for God's wrath. Leave room for God's judge. Often we want to be the judge and the jury. And we want them to pay. And we want the world to know what has happened to us. And actually at the cross again, it's that invitation. Leave it to God. He is the judge. We are all going to be judged when we come before him. By the grace of God, if we're Christian, we will be covered by the blood of the Lamb. But we need to know that everyone is going to be judged. The challenge is to leave it at the foot of the cross and let him be the judge. Because all the while you are the judge and the jury, you're holding on to it. It's not how he made us to be. Also forgiving is to resolving to live with the consequences of another's sin. I don't know about you, but when I first heard that, I thought, that doesn't sound very nice. Why do I have to live with the consequences of other people's sin? But if we really think about it, that is what we're doing in life. We know that we're all sinners, we all mess up, we can so easily hurt and offend people without any idea, without any intention. We are living in a fallen world, and it's messy. So that means that we're affected by the consequence of other people's sin. The challenge is, the only real choice we have is whether we live in the bondage of bitterness and unforgiveness, or the freedom of forgiveness. That we forgive and walk in that freedom. And another clear passage that Jesus uh, shared in Matthew, that his disciples said, please teach us how to pray. I know we've looked at this a bit recently. And um, so Jesus gave the beautiful Lord's Prayer. What a beautiful prayer it is to sort of think about how we approach God. 
Saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is our desire, Lord. Come. Come with your kingdom. Come in your power. Speaks about give us our daily bread. What's the next bit? The next bit is the key this morning. It says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then continues into leading not into temptation and the rest. What is key here is Jesus is saying, there's going to be sin. You need forgiveness. Within your prayer, when you come to him, we need to come saying, forgive us our sins. He's not like the, the, the forgiving others is somewhere else. I find it really interesting. I don't know what they call it grammatically, but when you have like a, a verse, it's almost that connecting word. And I think it's really important here is the word as, which I'd never really thought about this before. It says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's almost, it's at the same time, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's the reality of the fallen world. It's the reality of our sin, bringing it to God and asking forgiveness at the same time, forgiving others. And it's almost like when we're praying that, as well as asking for our forgiveness, we're confirming our practice of forgiving others. And it is a practice. It's something we need to practice and be a lifestyle and a choice to forgive others. If they're going to do the same thing and it's going to be 77 plus 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 times, I don't know about you, but we're going to have to learn to and choose to forgive. And we're almost declaring there as we forgive those who sin against us, we're going to practice this. And I think it's something, that's why I, challenge, I encourage you to look at what else God says about forgiveness, because it's a key part of our life. But we know, as we looked before, the experience of our divine forgiveness, that forgiveness on the cross, enables us to do what otherwise is beyond our strength. I don't know about you, but when I hear other people, maybe they're not Christians, talk about forgiveness, I kind of wonder how they can do it. I don't know about you, but I, I can only do it because I've met Jesus at the cross, and I'm aware of his forgiveness of me. And as I become humbly and soberly before the cross, and in the knowledge that I've received his love and forgiveness, why would I not forgive other people who have sinned against me? We love because he first loved us. We forgive because he first forgave us. And as I've touched upon, failure to forgive can wreak havoc in our hearts. It can impact our health even. Actually, if we're really bitter and we're holding it all in, it can have huge consequences in our health and our life. It can have a huge consequence in our relationship with God. And God loves us that much that he wants to say, a bit like he said to me about my dad. There's this issue with your dad and you haven't forgiven him. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. But actually, how much better relationship I can have with God when I respond and say, yes, I choose to forgive. And it impacts our relationship with others. It impacts the church. If we don't forgive one another, there's going to be bitterness and division. And that really hinders the movement forward of God's kingdom. People could come in here and go, well, what have you got to give me? Because so-and-so is really annoyed at so-and-so, and that's happening. And what we can't witness in that way. It gets in the way. So it's almost like, as I say, like that practice of forgiveness. 
Let's work on it, church. Let us, as a community, uh, let us keep a short account that when someone hurts us, that we'd come to God, that we would forgive them, that we would be quick to forgive and stand as one, one church, in the knowledge we have been forgiven much. Let us be King's Church, a forgiven people and a forgiven people. Now, forgiveness, I love this phrase. I might have to repeat it twice. Um, forgiveness is to set a captive free and then realize we were the captive. I'll say that again. Forgiveness is to set a captive free and then realize that we were the captive. It is an issue between us and God, between you and God. He commands us to forgive because he loves us. He loves you deeply. And he longs for you to come afresh to him today. I realize that we have gone on quite a bit this morning. Forgiveness is an important topic. Um, and what I wanted to do this morning, and it's totally up to you, is just give a bit of time. Hannah's going to come up and uh, play for us a bit. It's just to spend some time before God. There may have been things that you've thought about this morning where God's just gone, you know that area, you know what they did? You need to come and, and forgive them. So we're just going to give that, that time this morning. And what you might have seen also is um, some pen and paper at various places on the window ledges. I'm putting a bowl down here. If you just want to sit with God, that is totally fine. Sometimes there's something in that physical move, that physical action, and come into the foot of the cross. So if you want to, in your, on, the, on the bits of paper, whatever you want to write, it might be you want to come afresh and seek forgiveness. You could write that down there. You can write the person's name. You can fold it up. You can screw it up. Because it's going if you've forgiven. So it's an opportunity to come at the foot of the cross, put your bits of paper in there. If you want to come and kneel at the cross, if you want to stand, if you want to just stay in your seat, that's fine. But sometimes it's great to have that kind of visual representation. So there's an invitation today. Uh, if it's something you feel like you need to work on, if there's someone that you need to forgive this morning, we're just going to give this time to you and before God. And I did really feel during the week, the main phrase that I felt from the Lord was, leave it all at the cross. Leave it all at the cross, our own sin, other people's sin. Come and choose to forgive and walk in that freedom with God. Thank you.